0: Shalom everyone this is Kalev Bendor from Jerusalem. As an introduction I just wanted to share with you some background on preparing these audios. It'll often start with some sort of idea and then a couple of days before I'll start drafting something. So my plan for chapter 10 was, as I've done in the past, to bring some historical geopolitical background and then Rabbi Joe talked about that and then Ilana gave us even more wonderful details and i found myself listening to these audios metaphorically banging my head on the desk despairing that i could say anything new but despite that i'd also like to give a short historical overview as i think it helps us to better understand some verses in our chapter now the first verse of the first chapter of our sefer tells us that our hero Hoshea ben Be'eri, lives and prophesies during the reigns of Uzziah, Yotam, Achaz, and Hezekiah of Judah, as well as the II in the kingdom of Israel, which is where Hoshea lives. Yet there's an issue here. If he prophesied during the rule of those Judean kings, he must have prophesied not just during the reign of Yorovam, but also those who came after him. On the II rules for 41 years. And as Ilana said, they're years of relative stability. Despite being described as doing evil before God, he expands the borders of the country. But very soon after his death, as has been mentioned, things in the kingdom of Israel get pretty chaotic. And it's therefore unsurprising that verse one of chapter one of Hosea skips out all the various monarchs under which the prophet lives. Yorovam's son, Zachariah, reigns for only six months before a palace coup takes place. He's replaced by Shalom ben Yavesh, likely from the region of Gilad on the eastern side of the Jordan, who rules for only one month before being assassinated. Then there's Menachem ben Gadi from Tirzah, who reigns for 10 years, Menachem succeeded by his son Pekachiah but he reigns only for two years after which he is assassinated and replaced by a military captain Pekach helped by men from the Gilad and he reigns for 20 years and with one king following another based on might rather than right and with the kingdom in chaos it begins to shrink. During this time we learn that Tiglath-Pileser, king of Assyria, invades the areas in the north on both the east side of the Jordan, Gilad, but also the west of the Jordan, the Galil, including all the land of Naphtali. And all the inhabitants are carried off as captives to Assyria. And while the story of the exile of the 10 tribes is very well known, an initial exile actually takes place now. Pekach is assassinated too by, and this is where it gets very confusing, a man called Hoshea, although this one is Hoshea, the son of Elah. And all of this from Yeruvam's death to Hoshea ben Elah taking over is described in the space of just one chapter in Melachim Bet, chapter 15. They must have been difficult years for all the inhabitants of the kingdom of Israel. And the end of King Hoshea ben Elah's reign, nine years later, is when Shalmaneser of Assyria attacks and destroys the kingdom. And because verse 1 of chapter 1 tells us Hoshea prophesied during the time of Chizkiyahu of Judah, we know he must have been prophesying throughout this time. With this in mind, we can now read some of the verses in our chapter in better context. In verse 3, we read, "Kiata yomru lano, ki lo yerano et Adonai vahamelech ma Surely now they shall say, we have no king, for we feared not the Lord. And the king, what can he do for us? We have... A type of Calvachomer the people have not feared the Lord the king of kings so of course they won't fear a king of flesh and blood or respect his authority but we also have a description of what was going on at the time the king can do nothing for the people because the kings are constantly being replaced and clearly care not for the citizens of the kingdom and then we come to verse 14 Therefore shall a tumult arise among your hosts and all your fortresses shall be spoiled as Shalman spoiled Bet Arbel in the days of battle. The mother was dashed in pieces with her children. As Robert Alta points out in his commentary, Shalman is not an attested name. It seems likely that this is an abbreviated version of Shalmaneser, the Assyrian emperor. Who was Shalmaneser? He rules Assyria from 727 to 722 BCE after succeeding his father Tiglath-Pileser, the Assyrian leader who captures part of the northern area of the kingdom and sends them into exile. And it's Shalmaneser who ultimately completes what his father started by destroying the kingdom and exiling the rest of the 10 tribes. But of course, it's too narrow to read this solely through a geopolitical perspective. The reason for the kingdom's destruction is also the lack of its ethical behavior. And here we read two metaphors. The first is of Israel as a grape. Israel was a luxuriant vine, which put forth fruit freely. As his fruit increased, he increased his altars. The more goodly his land was, the more goodly were his pillows. It reminds us of Isaiah in chapter five, who uses a metaphor of the relationship between God and Israel as between a vineyard and one who planted it. But part of the problem is that nothing is being done authentically towards God. We read in verse four that they utter mere words with empty oaths, they make covenants. So judgment spurs up like poisonous weeds in the furrows of the field. And then we have another metaphor regarding planting that of plowing and sowing. Verse number 12. Um, Sow to yourself according to righteousness, reap according to mercy. Break up your fallow land, for it's a time to seek the Lord, till he come and cause righteousness to reign upon you. You have plowed wickedness, you have reaped iniquity. You have eaten the fruit of lies for you did trust in your way, in the multitude of your mighty men. And reading it, I couldn't help but think of a very different use of sowing and reaping to set the scene the lord has brought back the people to their land after exile the nations say that god has done has done great things and then the psalmist says those who sow in tears will reap in joy there in Tehillim and of course when we bench the inference is towards a return of the exiles to their land. Here, tragically, for those who plough wickedness, the direction is the opposite towards exile.